And on to the front straightaway. Kevin Harvick at Pocono finally is a winner. Way to do the strategy. What a what a turnaround. Great job, guys. Awesome. Thank you. And Denny Hamlin is going to tie Jeff Gordon as the all-time Pocono winner with six checkered flags at the Tricky Triangle. That's the cool part that you want to, Denny. Welcome back to another episode of the Full Tank with Phil podcast, the first ever podcast about gambling on NASCAR. And in this week's episode, we're taking a look at Indianapolis. That's where we're headed this weekend, going to the Brickyard, and we'll be breaking down who we like to win on the money line. Talk about a few people there, talk about the strategy for this week. Spoiler alert, we're talking favorites again. And uh, then we'll talk about prop bets because we really uh, have a lot to break down. Top tens is what's hot right now. That's what's hot in the streets. So we'll uh, we'll dive into a few of those as well. And as always, take a look at head-to-head matchups. We're calling out four matchups this week, a little bit different than we've seen in the past. Some new matchups the sports books are throwing at us. So we'll dive into those. And then at the very end, a quick Phil's Fired Up section, just talking about the combo that's happening this week between NASCAR and IndyCar and how they could parlay that into some some good gambling efforts if they put their mind to it. So uh, we'll touch on all of that. But before we do any of that, let's take a quick look back at a hell of a weekend at Pocono Raceway. Multiple races in the Cup Series and a triple header on Sunday. The Trucks, Xfinity, and the Cup Series all getting done in one day. As a fan of the sport, it was just really cool to be able to wake up 9.30 in the morning and basically watch NASCAR all the way till after dinner time. And as a gambler, it was exhausting. But the truck race ending was phenomenal. I had a, a really large parlay, seven-part parlay, that uh, Sheldon Creed dove through the middle on one of those last laps there, and if he had pulled off the win, I would have cashed in on a big one. But still very exciting there in the trucks. The Xfinity race was exciting, and uh, the cup race on Sunday, I mean, it was basically just uh, Denny Hamlin. Wreckfest City, though, the whole day on Sunday, and um, we called out Hamlin on the podcast last week, got the, the win there, and, and also top tens. I mean, we're going to talk more about them, but we called out three guys going into the doubleheader weekend for the Cup Series, and we came out of it with five top tens out of six possibilities. So Byron had one, and Boyer and Almarola both had two top tens at Pocono. So we cleaned up if you took them in both races. And then head-to-head, we went 3-1 and one on Saturday, 2-2 two and two on Sunday. Not bad. And uh, both of, talking about more prop bets there in Pocono, both of the races... The car number, we talked a little bit about that last episode, and the under hit for both of them. So the over-under was 17.5 and and car number 4 and 11-1. So interesting. We'll keep note of that moving forward. And one odd car and one even-numbered car won. So we were talking about the odd number cars, I believe, last week. So in any case, a great weekend 
in Pocono. I was you know, thrilled to be able to see all of those in one day on Sunday. That was phenomenal. And you got to talk about Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin just remaining on fire. They basically swapped. So first and second place finishes for both of them coming out of Pocono. And almost as big of a story as the the Kyle Busch flop of a weekend. But we're going to talk more about Kyle in just a little bit. But still, very surprising to me that he came away from Pocono with not much to show for it. So that, uh, you know, it is what it is. And he's, I'm sure, moving forward just as we are right now. So that was Pocono. It's in the rearview mirror. Let's take a look at Indy, and the first thing I can say here is I hate this race. I mean, I'm sorry. i got to call it what it is. I am not a fan of at least the the races in the past at the Brickyard. Just not fun for me. Very boring, and it's honestly one of the reasons why I like gambling on NASCAR because that's how I keep it interesting because the product on the racetrack at Indianapolis just doesn't get it done for me. They in the past, have stretched out into, you know, single file lines and uh, just been very technical racing. And maybe the rules package changes it up, and maybe we'll see some more passing and some more excitement. But honestly, I mean, looking down the list, I think the only exciting race that I can remember in recent history was 2017. Uh, I'm kind of just going off of memory here, but I believe Kyle Busch and Truex were dominating. They wrecked each other in the lead, and then the race ended. Because it was under caution and Casey Kane ended up getting the win because he crossed the commitment line before the caution came out. And it was like all drama there. It actually was one of the races that forced them to pretty much get rid of that commitment line bullshit. But in any case, I mean, that goes to show you how boring this race is usually. That the commitment line race was the most exciting one I can remember in a long time. So that's why I'm betting. I mean, I need to throw something down to make this interesting. And hopefully the rules package, you know, brings the the cars alive and really makes it interesting. But historically, I have not been a fan. That's just me personally. You know, maybe you can critique me being a bad fan or whatever. Just not my cup of tea in the last 10 years or so. But let's take a look at some track stats when we're talking about Indianapolis. I mean, historic racetrack, right? But we'll start by saying the track stats are sponsored by Sean Boy. We talk about historic. Sean Boy, he is your guy for anything that has to do with numbers. He's your analytics guy. If you're under the gun to get anything done, whether it's Excel spreadsheet or anything number crunching, Sean Boy is your guy. And you can use promo code HAMMER to get half off your first consultation with Sean Boy he is the guy. Remember, Sean Boy, he's our boy. So, taking a look at NASCAR at Indianapolis, 26 races total. And everybody probably remembers Jeff Gordon winning that first race there. They document it pretty well in that unrivaled documentary between him and Dale Sr. But he won the first one. Dale Sr. won the second one. Pretty cool. But coming here 26 times, five times the winner has started from the pole. So that's a total of just about 19% of the time. And the last time it happened, last year. Um, it actually happens, or it has happened, three times in the last seven races. So what does that tell you? I mean, it goes to what I was saying a little bit ago, that you know it's been uh, pretty standard, pretty boring 
over the last few times because when the winner just dominates from the pole, you know, I consider that less fun to watch. But in any case, moving forward, winner has started in the top five 13 times. That's 50%. And starting in the top 10, 17 times for 65%. A winner starting outside of the top 20 at Indianapolis, it's only happened three times. And the last time it happened was 2005 with Tony Stewart. So pretty clear, especially with this starting position draw, it's going to be really tough for someone to win outside the top 20 because these guys are the guys further down in the standing. So I would not expect that to happen, but you never know. Uh, in this case, I know it's not going to happen this week. <laughs> uh, so we mentioned, you know, three poles in the last seven races, but it is just a very technical racetrack. A team is going to need to have things buttoned up from the start and I think it's going to be interesting to see how these teams are handling this racetrack coming off of Pocono, because I think you would find that teams are able to compare against Pocono and get some benefit out of it. Turn two at Pocono is modeled after Indianapolis. So there are some setups that I'm sure you're going to see are pretty similar. I don't know if they're using the same actual cars this weekend as they did last week, but I'm sure that there would be a few out there that at least would be doing that. So it'll be interesting to see how they react. I don't think these two races are right after each other on the schedule normally. But like Pocono, my strategy for this weekend is favorites because of how technical it is. I mean, you're going to need to have a team that is strong, a driver who is historically good here, and a guy that is hot right now. And when you're looking at the way the books are projecting with the odds when they were released earlier this week, it's pretty much saying that that is going to be the case. They have eight guys all bundled up with the odds from plus 400, which is Kevin Harvick. He's the favorite right now. And plus 1,200. Brian Blaine is going off at plus 1,200. Eight guys in between that spectrum. From plus 1,200, it jumps, absolutely skyrockets from the those eight guys all the way to plus 2,500 and Clint Boyer. So that's telling you that Vegas thinks that it's really just up to these eight guys to figure it out. And the winner is going to come in, in this group somewhere. And, you know, the rest of these guys are just here in the way. That's how I'm reading the odds as they're originally released. So that's telling you favorites, bet some more on you know, the, the heavy hitters, and you'll benefit. I mean, it worked out last week in Pocono with Harvick and Hamlin. So I think because the the track, you can make the case for being similar. Setups are the same. Technical racetrack, single file racing. I'm going to do the same this week. So let's get into some money line picks, and let's talk about Harvick. I mean, he is where it starts and finishes with Indianapolis. He's going off at plus 400. I said he's the favorite. And his odds to finish in the top three plus 115. So maybe that's something that is worth your uh, time to look at there. But he's just dominant here. I mean, Harvick is the guy. It might be worth doubling down or tripling down what you usually spend on a driver just because of how good he is here. In his last 10 races, he has one win, four top fives, and seven top tens. He has two poles, 19 career races, 18 lead lap finishes. And in that time span, 13 top 10s. So Harvick, he gets it done. He's not the guy that's wrecking out all the time or, or, you know, here and there. 
every other time he finishes the race. No, he's starting in Indianapolis and he's finishing in Indianapolis. So he is the defending champion of this race. He won this in 2019 from the pole and he had a perfect driver rating. All right, 150 driver rating. That's a perfect score. And there's been a couple other guys who have done that over the years. Jamie Johnson's one of them. We'll talk about the other guy. We're not going to really get into Johnson too much today. So Johnson did this a while back. Harvick did it last year. He dominated. He's coming off of six straight top 10 finishes. All right. And since he has switched over or Stuart Haas has switched over to Ford, his numbers at Indianapolis were sixth place, fourth place, and first place. I can't really get into much better for any driver at any racetrack. I mean, he is just so good here when you're looking at the numbers. Second driver rating out of everybody in the in the field, 102.8 career-wise. Mentioned his perfect scores. Average finish is first out of everyone. All-time, it's first, 8.9. And just in the last 10 races, it again is first on the rankings chart, 7.3. So it gets lower, which is what we want to see. When we look at the all-time versus last 10, we want to see better numbers in the last 10 races. That's telling us that they're better here now. Harvick is that. He's the favorite for a reason. I mean, plus 400 historically, I don't really like dipping much lower than that or or betting on someone much lower than that just because you have to really shelve out a a decent amount to make it worth it. I mean, four to one. But in this case, Harvick is just so good. I'd be kicking myself if I didn't bet on him this weekend, knowing how good he is here, knowing that he's coming off of a win last weekend. I don't like to bet on back-to-back drivers or or drivers to win back-to-back, but this wouldn't be a back-to-back. He won last Saturday, not Sunday. So I'm all in on Kevin Harvick, the four car going off at plus 400. Really love it. And uh, we'll see if he can make it happen again in Indianapolis. This is his, his track. So can he it's his race to lose can he do it moving on is someone a little bit different and i mentioned we talk about him and here it is kyle bush you can't not talk about kyle bush right now especially when we're talking about favorites he's going off at plus 550 and kyle 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 i mean there's just so much to talk about here but in his last 10 races two wins four top fives eight top tens three poles He's been a little bit volatile the last five years, all right? When you just focus in there, five races, two wins, two DNFs, and one right in the middle. So, and in that time frame, he had three pulls. So just crazy, crazy stuff. I mean, that's really all over the place. Looking at some more numbers here, he's first out of all active drivers in driver rating, 104.8. He is also someone who has had a perfect score here at Indianapolis in terms of driver rating. As far as average finish goes, well, sixth in average finish. It's 11.3 in the last 10 races. So I want to talk about Kyle, though, from a a career perspective for a second. I mean, in 2015, he broke his leg. And I think I talked about this last week, and I called out Pocono as a race that he bounced back on. And that was actually incorrect. When he broke his leg, in the Xfinity race in Daytona, and he was out for a really long time. He came back, and he ripped off three straight wins to really throw himself back into the championship contention, and this was his third straight win in that season. So he knows how to get it done under pressure. I mean, clearly that was a a year where pressure was mounting, and he won two in a row. 
knocked off another one. He needs a jump start. You feel weird saying that about someone with seven top fives and eight top tens in a season, but he's 11th in standings. That's not what we expect from Kyle Busch. Every week he doesn't win, he's going to get questions. And I'm not sure, you know, how he is at Kentucky. We'll dive into those stats next week or how he is at Texas, the, the tracks that are coming up down the road. But I do know that Kyle Busch is very good at this racetrack. I mean, you're, you're the first in driver rating of all active drivers. That's saying something. This is a track for you. You're going off at plus 550. You would be considered one of the favorites when you're going off at plus 550. So that's saying that you have the ability to win the race. That's what Vegas is saying. Last year in this race, he had engine trouble. But the four years before that, he led at least 19 laps in each one of those races. So assuming that they don't run into engine trouble, because Joe Gibbs has been great this year, I'm going to assume that this is a bounce-back race for Kyle Busch. We talked about how he had last weekend circled. They flopped. They were in good position to, to win. Blaney and Kyle on Sunday, they were battling for, you know, because everything gets off cycle, they were, the announcers called it out, battling for the win or first place if everything cycled back around. And then Blaney got into him, sent him in the wall, ended his day, and that changed everything in terms of the, the strategy for the race. So he was there. I mean, he was doing the right stuff up until that, kind of wrong spot, wrong time, fighting for position, and just ending up on the, the wrong side of it. So it's not like he's terrible. It's just he's got to run a bad luck here, and I'm thinking that it could snap back here. So I'm taking another favorite, plus 550, the 18 car, mark it down. This is a track that they're going to have circled and they need to bounce back. Now, I'm only going to call out one other guy because I don't really love just calling out all the favorites. So I am going to call out the person who has the best value that I could see with a shot at winning the race, and that's Ryan Blaney. Plus 1,200 is what he's going off at to win the race, plus 350 to finish in the top three, and plus 180 to finish in the top five. So good numbers there all around. I'm loving the, the 12 to one though, to win the race. He's been here five times. He's only had one top 10. So not overwhelming. I get it. I get it. But he has better odds than some of these other guys who, you know, like Keselowski or Logano or Elliott or, you know, Denny Hamlin. These guys, you're not going to get the bang for your buck that you're going to get with Ryan Blaney. So let's take a look at more from him. He's moving in the right direction. His last four races, going all the way back to 2016, I guess it was, finished 36th. The next race, 23rd. Race after that, 11th. And then last year, 2019, 7th. So moving in the right direction. And in his last two races, he's been with Penske, which clearly better equipment, and he's had the two best finishes here in his career, 7th and 11th. So that isn't bad. I know only one top 10 finish doesn't look great, but that's when you can do a little bit more digging and snag a good value pick. So I'm seeing value here out of the 12 team. On top of that, they're having a phenomenal year. So you have to take the, the track history for the driver into consideration, but you also have to take into consideration the season they're having, and they're having a, a very good year. Pocono was very solid for him. I know he didn't end up 
um, on the right side of things because of that incident with Bush, and that really messed things up. But they were battling for the win. He's second in the standings right now, and you know that Blaney's going to be starting within the top 12 because of the random draw situation. And even though he only has one top 10, he's eighth out of everyone starting on Sunday in driver rating. Driver rating is 89.3, so it's worth a shot. And even if that scares you a little bit the the to win the race 12 to 1, how about that plus 350 to finish in the top three? I mean, it gives you a little bit more leeway. Or plus 180 to finish top five. Not bad at all. So Blaney, good value, better than the rest. Like, like I said, after Blaney, it's a huge drop-off to guys that I don't think could win the race. But, you know, 12-team seems right. I like it. So we're recapping the money line picks here. Kevin Harvick, plus 400 to win the race. Kyle Busch plus 550, and then Ryan Blaney in that 12 car plus 1200 to win the race on Sunday. All right, all right, all right. So now let's dig into some props because we really did pretty well last week at Pocono in those two races there, betting on some props. And I want to start talking about top tens. I'm hot right now with top tens, as we mentioned. And looking at it, it's interesting because. We said there's eight guys that Vegas is calling out as heavy favorites, and then there's a huge cliff that drops off. So let's just assume that those eight guys are all going to finish in the top 10. I'm anxious to see, you know, there's, there's two spots left. Two spots are available, even if all eight of those favorites jump up and, and claim a spot. So who are those two guys going to be? Well, Right at that eight-person mark, the ninth guy, the value to finish in the top ten is right there at zero. So Ryan Blaney is the eighth guy, and his money to to finish in the top ten is minus 190. And then the next guy down is a guy that we're going to focus on, and it's Clint Boyer. And he's going off at plus 105 to finish in the top ten. Somebody has to do it. There's going to have to be somebody from further down the pack to finish in the top 10. It's a must, right? Clint is somebody that could do it. So ninth in driver rating stands out to me right away, okay? In addition, he's ninth in average finish with 13.5 in the last 10 races. That's pretty good for someone that, you know, he's kind of a throw-in right now. He's, he's really the second or third fiddle at Stuart Haas. I mean, you talk about Al Marola doing really well lately. So He's kind of a, you know, afterthought a lot of times. But in his last 10 races, three top fives and four top tens at Indianapolis. Two top fives in a row. Both of them were fifth. So those are since he's been at Stuart Haas driving that 14 car. So can he stay hot? He doesn't even need to finish in the top five. Just get me into the top 10, Clint, and we'll be cashing in. So... Does he need a starting position that is strong, though, is the question. When you really dig into Clint Boyer's success in Indianapolis, there's a strong correlation between starting in the top 10 and finishing in the top 10. He is 13th in the standings right now, which would mean that he is not part of the group that will be pulled to start inside the top 12. So he's going to be starting at least, at best, 13th, and he has not had a top 10 finish where... He has started outside of the top 10. So something to a little bit weary on there. But for the most part, I'm really liking the stats that I'm seeing out of Boyer here. And 
He had two top 10 finishes at Pocono. Clearly, that team had a good weekend. They got a lot of positive momentum. So all of that being said really leads me to say, Clint Boyer, lock me in for a top 10 finish at Indianapolis, plus 105. You throw you know 50 bucks down, you get 50 bucks back pretty much. I mean, that's, that's essentially what we're saying. So I like it. It makes sense. There's you know, a lot of sound reasoning behind that choice. Now, Burke might be getting a little bit away from that with these next two top 10 picks because I'm looking at a couple guys who look good on paper, but then when we put the, the lens of reality in this year on it, it may not look as good, but we're still going to talk about them. So looking for value here, Matt Kenseth. All right, he's going off at plus 190 to finish in the top 10. And his numbers in Indianapolis, I mean, they simply don't lie. Five top fives and six top tens in his last 10 races here. He has five of his last six races are top 10 finishes, and four of those are top fives. All right, we're, we're not talking about any schlub, some guy that just, you know, squeaked by with some ninth and tenths. He's got really good finishes. Third in driver rating and second in average finish in the last 10 races. That average finish, 9.7. Phenomenal numbers. For someone to finish in the top 10, I mean, you would think that's a bona fide lock. But, and there's a big but, he's not having a good year. I mean, since he took over that 42 car, I get it, mid-season, you know. Took him over for, for Larson right at the start of the COVID stuff. He's just not putting anything together. He had a top 10, I think, in that first race. And then after that, it's been all downhill. No top 10 finishes since that first Darlington race. And I mean, I think he finished 12th or 11th at Pocono on Sunday. And that was really a a, a big deal. So if you want, you could cling to that as a little bit of momentum. But in this case, I'm calling it out because it's a value pick and I'm combining the value that you're getting at plus 190 with historic numbers and the fact that he's you know done well here in the past. We'll see. We talked about how this is more of a technical racetrack. Matt Kenseth is a very technical driver. So I like it. It's a value. He is someone that can recover from bad starts. So we talked about Clint Boyer you know, maybe needing a little bit of a good uh, – Starting position, Kenseth, he's used to having bad starts. I think his average starting position is like somewhere around 17th or something, and he works his way through and gets good finishes. So he's going to have to you know, start from further back on Sunday. So that might work out for us. We'll see if he can continue that. But they need something. I mean, that 42 team and for basically Chip Ganassi Racing, they need something. So maybe this is the track for them. Mark me down for the 42 this weekend, plus 190. Then the last guy I'm calling out, Ryan Newman, plus 250 to finish in the top 10. That's just so strange to me, that value, when you look at his numbers. One win, two top fives, five top 10s in his last 10. So 50% of the time he's finishing in the top 10, three top 10s in a row, including a third place finish. All right, eighth in the six car, last year so you know last year was his first year in that vehicle finished eighth top 10 that's all we're looking for we don't need to blow the doors off anyone just finish in the top 10 he's fifth in average finish 
out of all active drivers with 11.1. So right at that threshold, really close to that top 10. And he's got another bad season as well. I mean, only one top 10 for him this season. It has not been good. We know about the incident at Daytona. He has not been able to really make this into a storybook season like a lot of people hoped. But he's been really hovering over around that 15th place mark. So if you can you know, just get a little bit extra at a racetrack that you've been good at in the past, we'll be able to cash in on a big number, plus 250 to finish in the top 10. That's, that's huge. So when you look into all the odds, I mean, you're not going to find a guy with that track history and those values. So mark me down for Ryan Newman. So just to recap the top 10s, Clint Boyer, plus 105, Matt Kenseth, plus 190, and Ryan Newman, plus 250. We know we're going on a little bit of ledge there. But hey, that's what the prop bet section is for. So now let's take a look at a couple other props that I like. I'm, I'm seeing them out there and, it, you know, thinking to myself, ah, have a few adult beverages in me. What of it? Maybe we'll throw something in on Sunday. So we got the over-under for the number on the car that's going to win the race. It's 11.5. The over is minus 122. The under, minus 109. I'm liking the over here simply for the reason that there's just more cars out there to, to win. I mean, we called out a couple guys to win the race that are over that 11.5 mark and Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney. Obviously, this is skewed because Harvick is the heavy favorite driving the four car. But hell, you know, you only got 11 guys if you're taking the under. So give me the over and I'll take the rest of the field. You know, it's it's not a coin flip at that point. It's 30 versus 11 or, or 29 versus 11. We'll see. So mark me down for the over in that one. Then there's an interesting one. Both stages being won by the same driver and the race win. To say yes is plus 650. No is minus 1450. This is a racetrack that I think you could sneak up and steal this one if you say plus 650, yes. Because if Harvick or Kyle Busch go out and they've got that perfect driver rating like they've done in the past, they could do it. I mean, Harvick or Busch could both win both stages and the race. So I might throw a tiny bit of money on this prop bet just because I feel like this is a track that lends itself to it. Other tracks don't, but this one certainly could end up that way. Then a couple of driver-related prop bets here. I'm looking at the, the prop bet that says, will they finish in the top five, yes or no? And someone that stands out to me, Martin Truex Jr. I'm going to say no this weekend. I'm just not seeing the numbers that I like out of him. Now, we mentioned in 2017, that was a year that he was dominant. He and Kyle wrecked each other. So one of those guys was going to win that race and, and they both wrecked out. But since then, I haven't really seen much from Truex here. It's minus 225 to say no. And that's a tough bet to, to place bet on and get money uh, or good value. But I think, you know, he is really at the threshold where, you know, you could still get a little bit of value and, and go into it with some confidence. So his highest finish in his last three races is 27th. 2015 was his last top five. His average finish here, 20.6. So there's some reason why you would say he's not going to finish in the top five and feel some pretty good, good vibes making that pick. Just that minus 225 number. It's a little pricey, but I feel like it definitely could be worth it there. Then the last one, 
I'm going to call that a top car per manufacturer, and I'm focusing on Chevy. And this is one where you see another huge drop-off in the odds. Chase Elliott is going off at plus 165 to be the top Chevy car in the race on Sunday. The next best guy, William Byron, plus 550. Chase finished ninth last year, which is his best finish. So if you look at his past races, ninth was his only top 10 finish in his career here. He's only been here a few times, though. 15th place, 39th place, and then a 15th and an 18th. So hasn't been blowing any doors off, but this is his best season by far career-wise. So put that lens on it. Um, It's just the fact that he's such a heavy favorite. I'm preaching favorites on this podcast episode. I'm going to go with it here. Um, Now, if you're someone who wants to fade this pick, there's reason to do so because last year, you know who the top Chevy driver was? Bubba Wallace. And that value must have just been out of this world. So there's precedent to to say I'm going to take somebody random to, to hit one of these little prop bets for the best car in the manufacturer. But for me... I like Chase in this race to begin with, and and plus 165 to be the top Chevy guy. I'll take him. So those are the prop bets for Indianapolis. We're going to be here all day. We're going to be here all day, baby. I like this kind of party. So next up is the head-to-head section where we're going to break down the matchups, driver versus driver, most people's favorite part of the podcast. But before we do, we have a new sponsor alert, and it's Penn East Vineyards for wine that's high quality and good tasting without breaking the bank. Whether it's Kingfisher Red or Stacy's Reward Chardonnay, it doesn't matter. There's definitely going to be a good tasting wine that matches your style. Made with the grit of the Philadelphia area and taste of the beauty of upstate New York, Penn East Vineyard is the wine for you this summer. Check it out at your local liquor store. It might sell out. They sell out really quick. Penn East Vineyards. Tastes like home. So now we're going to take a look at four matchups, and we're going to start with a couple high-powered ones, and then or a couple high-powered drivers in the first matchup, and then work our way down the standings because the sports books are putting out some randoms this week, and I love it. I love dipping into these strange combinations. But we're going to start with a pretty standard one, and people love talking about these guys. It's Joey Logano and Brad Keselowski, a Team Penske matchup, and these two guys are up there as the favorites. If you're looking at the odds to win the race, they're both up in that top eight group of guys that have a good chance of winning the race. But let's take a look at these guys head-to-head. So Joey Logano, in his last 10 races here, no wins, but four top fives and seven top tens. His driver rating is sixth out of everybody, and his average finish is 10.8. That's good enough for fourth on the board. But the other thing to note with Logano is his average starting position is 10.9. So that tells me that it's very consistent. Where he's starting is right around where he finishes. So if he's going to get one of those random draws and he's going to be up near the front, that's going to be pretty good for somebody who's taking Joey Logano in this head-to-head matchup. He finished second here last year. And since joining Team Penske, after coming over from the 20 car, Joe Gibbs, he has finished sixth out of the last seven times in the top 10. So Good, good numbers for Joey Logano here at Indianapolis. Now let's take a look at Kozlowski in his last 10. One win, two top fives, five top tens. Really strong. I mean, both these guys, they're up in the top 10. Their 
drivers that you're going to see on the scroll bar up towards the front throughout the race. So Kozlowski, 7th in driver rating, right behind Logano. He's 10th in average finish, 13.8. He had a crash last year, finished 38th, so not good last year. But before that, he finished 1st and 2nd in the years before. So really good numbers when you consider, you know, throw out the outlier last year in the 38th place finish. At Indianapolis, the series against these guys head-to-head, Joey Logano wins the head-to-head matchup 6-4 to four in the last 10 races. For the season this year, Brad has a 10-5 lead in the head-to-head matchup so far this year. That's surprising to me and pretty tempting because coming into this matchup, I didn't really have anybody in mind that I wanted to go with. Hearing that stat, it really makes you think, okay, well, Brad's just got it going on this year. But because of Indianapolis stats, I'm going to go with Joey Logano. Also, we've talked about bounce-back races for a couple guys already on this podcast, and I, I think this is one that could be the same for Logano because his numbers here are good, and he's not having a horrible year. I mean, up until last week, he was like second or third in the standings. He dropped a few from his finishes at Pocono, and that's fine. Since the COVID-19 stuff came and the restarted season, he has not performed like he did before the break in the season. So this is a a race that that could really happen for him. So I'm going to go with Joey Logano over Brad Keselowski in this head-to-head matchup on Sunday. The next matchup we have, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. versus Ryan Newman. This is blasphemous, if you ask me. I mean, this is a total lock. My lock of the week, I'd have to say. Because we just talked about Ryan Newman finishing the top 10. His numbers here are stellar. Do I have to do them again? One win, two top fives, five top tens. I mean, really good. Three top tens in a row. Average finish is fifth out of all active drivers, 11.1. I mean, we just talked about this. Ricky Stenhouse, in his career... No top 10 finishes. His best finish is 12th, and that happened in 2016. His average finish, 28.0. Head-to-head at Indianapolis. These guys, Newman has it 6-1. to one. What else do I need to tell you? Ryan Newman is the guy that I'm taking in this matchup. Now, head-to-head this season, it's a split, 6-6. So we have to take that into consideration. And We talked about how Newman has been struggling, but... With those struggles, his season to this date is still comparable to Ricky Stenhouse in a season that I don't think a lot of people would say he's struggling. So you have two guys pretty much having a similar season going head-to-head, and one of these guys has a great history at a racetrack, and the other guy does not. I'm going with Ryan Newman and the six team this weekend to to dominate Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I just don't see it. I, I guess because people think big racetracks, they think of Ricky Stenhouse. I don't see it. So I'm going with Newman in this one. And to me, it's easy. The next matchup we have is a couple of young guys. So guys that we don't have huge sample sizes on. And that makes it a little bit more fun, you know, fun to play around with. So we're going to go with William Byron versus Eric Jones. Byron has two starts. Jones has three. In Byron's two starts, he has a top five. It was fourth last year. His other one was a 19th place finish. Both of those finishes were on the lead lap. So something to consider here because we're going to talk about Eric Jones. In his three starts, he also has a top five. So both these guys, top five apiece, where he finished second in 2018. 
the thing that stands out to me here is his other two races, 38th and 31st, two crashes, not even an engine trouble or whatever, crashes where he wrecked out of the race. Head-to-head at Indy, when these guys have both been in the, the race, they split one and one. Obviously, the the top five finishes for each of these guys uh, won that head-to-head matchup for them. But for this season, Jones has a 9-6 advantage over Byron, which that's fine. It's still not going to sway me in this matchup. I'm going with William Byron over Eric Jones because I like how Byron has kept the car clean. And last year, he had his best finish here, fourth See if he can do it again. I think he represents Chevy well here. I mean, we talked about how in the Chevy prop bet, it's Chase Elliott, and then the next guy up is William Byron. And Chevy has typically been stronger here at Indianapolis than Toyota. You know, if you go back historically, last few races, looking at top 10 finishes per manufacturer, Chevy definitely has an advantage over Toyota by about four top 10s. So, Overall, I think Chevy stands out to me here. My pick, William Byron, for those reasons. Mark me down, 24 car over the 20. Now, we talk about how we like going down the standings and looking at these head-to-head matchups. Well, the last one we want to talk about, Chris Busher versus Cole Custer. Yeah, I don't know where these pull, they're pulling these uh, matchups from, but I love it because small sample size versus absolutely no sample size with the rookie Cole Custer. So, Chris Buescher has one top 10, ninth place finish back in 2017. His other finishes, he's had 14th and a 15th. Three of his four starts, he's finished on the lead lap. And something to consider, that was all with JTG Doherty Racing, which you could technically say may have been lesser equipment than he's in now. Right now, he's driving the 17 car. I just saw the paint scheme. He's driving the Sunny D car. It looks sick. It's the orange scheme. He's going to be standing out, but the equipment itself is going to be stronger than what he's been in in the past. I mean, I think you can make that argument. So I like Chris Busher, but then you look at Cole Custer. Zero starts here. This is not a track that is great for rookies. I mean, it, it's very technical. First timers, I don't think typically do very well. The season series, nine to six. Busher has that. He's got four top tens this season, including a top five. Cole Custer only has one top 10. So because of the lack of experience and the, the fact that Busher, you know, has some history here, I'm going to go with Busher to win this matchup. This is even minus 115 a piece here. And to me, this doesn't seem very even. So I would expect as the week goes on, that matchup to sort of sway towards the 17 car and Chris Busher as more of a favorite. So if you can get it now before those odds change. So Chris Buescher, lock it in. And just to recap all of the head-to-head picks that I'm making this week for Indy, I'm going with Joey Logano over Brad Keselowski, Ryan Newman, my lock of the week, over Ricky Stenhouse Jr., William Byron over Eric Jones, and Chris Buescher over Cole Custer. Still chasing that elusive parlay hit. So we're going to close things out with a quick Phil's fired up section here. Just a quick thought. You know, I'm not mad about anything. It's just an idea. Things that, you know, typically these are things that I would like to see happen with the the gambling world or the NASCAR world kind of coming together to make things better for the gambler and the viewer. 
in general. And this thought came to mind after I saw the broadcast schedule for this weekend, because we're switching over to NBC just for one race, then we're going to go back to Fox. And the reason for that is because they had dibs on Indianapolis. And what they're doing is Saturday is an interesting race because the Xfinity series will be doing a double header with IndyCar in a rare collaboration between the two. Now, I think a lot of people see NASCAR and IndyCar kind of as rivals, but when they, you know, sync up, I don't think they really are to begin with. And when they sync up, I think good things could happen. So this will be a really good experiment. I mean, we see a lot of times with NASCAR, they use Xfinity and trucks as sort of an experiment to see maybe they can dip the, the cup into that world. So imagine a world where we've got multiple races, an IndyCar race and a cup race in the same day. Let's just call it for the sake, because we're at Indianapolis, let's say we did the Indy 500 the same day as the Brickyard 400. I mean, not really possible, I don't think, but we can dream, right? Because I want to get this point across from a gambler's perspective. And what I'm thinking is it would be really cool to see bets based on both races. So, for instance, you have an IndyCar driver going in a head-to-head matchup versus a NASCAR driver. So you could say Joseph Newgarden versus Chase Elliott, right? Some some fan favorites going head-to-head. So what this does is it kind of forces the person making that bet to pay attention to the channel all day. So if you're the, the broadcast host, where your NASCAR and IndyCar, I don't really see a downside of it because it just draws more attention to it. Now, obviously, if they both finish third, it'd be a push, and that's not something that we typically see in that area, but pushes happen all the time in gambling and other sports. So I, my point is, I think it'd be something that NASCAR and IndyCar should look to do more often. This weekend is definitely going to be a, a test run. We've got Xfinity on the road course to Indianapolis, and we got the IndyCar race coming right after that. we got the same announcing crew for both races, I believe, at NBC. So it'll be very interesting to see how that unfolds. But I think it would be great if the, the sports books could sort of get on board as well and really, you know, drive that effort home, that collaboration. So if the Cup and IndyCar ever race on the same day, I think that would be something that I would like to see as someone who is a degenerate and loves to, to throw random bets in like that. And I'm just throwing the head-to-head matchup out there as a use case. I'm sure there's a a bunch of other things. I mean, you could do team head-to-head matchups, all sorts of things, manufacturers, all sorts of things that you could do, and it'd be very interesting. So a lot of options out there if that were to ever come to fruition. Not saying that it's very likely. It's probably pretty unlikely, but it's worth dreaming, and that's kind of what this section is all about anyway, so... It is what it is. Take it for what it's worth. I think it'd be a really good idea. So with that, we're going to close out another episode of Full Tank with Phil. We're betting on the Brickyard, taking on Indianapolis this weekend, getting through the dead heat of the summer, and we're just trying to stay hot coming out of Pocono, trying to stay hot coming out of Indy this weekend so we can fund the rest of the summer with our winning. So everyone have a great 4th of July weekend and a great race on Sunday. Make sure you place your bets early. Drive fast and take chances, and we'll see you next time. Have no place to go.